0: Friends, welcome to episode 210 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or Dungeon Master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. I'm Rob. How about doing, Rob? Yeah. Hey, uh, happy fourth anniversary, Rob. Yeah.
1: Feels just like it. <laughs>
0: we, feel, we feel old. We feel Our old. Our knees hurt now. Everything, you know, the, the, the show is creaky. We're, we're more gray than we used to be. You know, we think we know what we're
1: doing, but in fact, we are not. Like, do you, do you, when I was a kid, I always thought that parents knew what they were doing. That adults oh. were knowledgeable. Oh, we, And when I turned 20, I realized that was a complete lie. <clears throat> there was no training that there's, they got. There's no There's no rule book. There's Correct. no... So, so when you step into this chaos known as adulthood, mm-hmm. and they start looking at you because you're the adultiest adult in the room, that's when... That's when you have to be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You got yeah. to start making some decisions and uh, hoping for the best. Roll the dice, you know? Hey,
1: funny that. Yeah. So, um, we have Sean's game this weekend. Yeah. Uh, which is a a derivative of Savage World. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, it's Savage yeah, World. It's, yeah. it's Nova Praxis. Yeah. Um, And it's been really neat listening to everybody's stories coming mm-hmm. together and i'm excited for the session zero or, or the session uh, first session i will say the the milk runner however it's going to come out
0: he has been running the 3d printer over time <laughs> uh getting stuff together awesome and, like, he just wants to have he's like yeah he's like even if he doesn't use it as like you know combat stuff you know right. he he wants to have a uh feel a, a feel you know he wants to set the table so we have a visual to kind of go along with some of the well, stuff and you know, and it makes sense in my head mm-hmm. exceptionally
1: well because Sean is one of those people who need tactile and yeah. visual feedback his his mind doesn't work the same way as the rest of us and for him to share it in that format with us I think is wonderful. I,
0: I actually told him this afternoon I'm like uh, I, I was kind of thinking about uh, uh, you know I, I'd realized a while ago that I kind of use my game. As an excuse to, um, you know, paint miniatures and mm-hmm. build scenery mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because it's something I, I love doing. Sure. You know, and if I just get to share it with my friends and also use it in, in a role-playing game at the same time, then so much the better. Right. Um, but, and then watching him over the last couple months really kind of, like, throw his own pieces of his own soul mm-hmm. into, into mm-hmm. his own game of, like, designing, like graphics for tiles and like 3d modeling things and printing things and the the intricate like character sheet the interactive character sheet he made in mm-hmm. google docs you no, know not one not two not three not four but five versions of it i think almost six um, it, no it's a v5 v5 is okay. the final version okay yeah. okay but but still like it, it references all the tables and stuff yeah. like that so that you can just like pick your your out of all the list of edges and stuff mm-hmm. like that and it'll it'll calculate bonuses for you and stuff. It's amazing. It really is. It really but is. Just watching him throw those little pieces of his soul in there
1: and well, it's just just great. I just think so it's so charming. I think it's wonderful when you can when the fear and anxiety changes from debilitating mm-hmm. in creating a game to what do I know? What are my skill sets yeah. that I can throw at this? Like I throw technology at mine. Mm-hmm and i throw my passion for cinema mm-hmm. and 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 theatrics um <sighs> and and that's how it comes out for me in the game mm-hmm. um it, whether it's my characters having their lives or using a digital map with animated graphics on it to try mm-hmm. and explain things you know but it, it happens at everyone's table at a certain point i feel as a storyteller yeah like i know yeah. storytellers who write music who've done stuff you did the stuff for adventure uh-huh. That was awesome. Again, showing off some of your production talents that you have. Yeah. And it is it is best to grab those things and gravitate those things, you know. But at the same time, it pushes you to learn a little bit more each time. And because of that, it's an educational experience. It's it's an educational experience in an artistic format. Because, mm-hmm. again, you're expanding that art to build content yeah. for your players. And so I think in a lot of ways, it, and, and I say this coming from a non- quote-unquote artist perspective you sure, know, sure. A, a non-collegiate artist perspective mm-hmm. but a lot of times you'll see that where their fear is gone they mm-hmm. went to school they they studied physical forms of art paint you know uh crafting all kinds of stuff, kit bashing whatever you want to call it to be able to expand and you see these artists go into a variety of fields not just the classic ones that we think of but i mean we have engineering artists who work on animatronics, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and at the same time, those animatronics might be going into movies in miniature, and that's wonderful to see, yeah. but it's art. It's something that pushed them a little bit further to learn, I don't know, microelectronics. Yeah, sure. You know, And then you see the same thing in cosplay, like, I make clothing. But now with LEDs and moving parts. Oh, yeah. Here's my giant wing suit that expands out from me into these beautiful angelic wings that yeah. expand out, you know, 12 feet. Yeah. Like, that's awesome shit to see. Because you could see the engineers who do engineering all day mm. going, I I know how that works. I just can't do the feathers. And the answer is watch her tutorial and you will see how she uses a, cu- a laser cutter that you know a cricket or something like that to make feathers and you're like they're like damn right damn right like you're, you're you're stepping up but that's beautiful i think all of this is beautiful yeah and i i think it's wonderful and it's why i really love how role-playing pushes that
0: oh yeah absolutely. for both
1: the players and the storyteller because everybody feeds into it yeah absolutely absolutely thank
0: you Knox. Thank you. Yes, it's been for four long, long years. Yeah, knocks and bucks in the, uh, the live chat, <laughs> just wishing us a happy birthday. Well, a big shout out to everybody in the live chat. Everybody who's been supporting us for the last uh, yeah,
2: come, the last
1: four years. All the, and the some new listeners, and... new listeners that yeah. just joined the Discord. We're so glad to have them. We love it. Um, it's always fun to see new stories
0: and and new perspectives on things. Speaking of listeners, yes. Um, tonight's topic, yes, was a listener suggestion. It if was, I remember correctly. I don't remember who it was. That suggested I tried it, to
1: search for it to the day and realize, it, like, it's been lost in the uh, archives. We should have pinned it at some point. Yeah, we probably, probably were really bad at our
2: Discord.
0: But uh, for for whoever uh, whoever came into our Discord and said, "I am specifically here to suggest you guys look at Cortex Prime," and both of us went, "What text?" <laughs> no, no, I'd heard of it. Right, I'd right. heard of it. I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, Cortex. That's a thing, isn't it?" Yeah, we should probably put that on the list. For me, it was like, "Is that Corleolis?" Is C- C- Cort- Cortexiolis, what what is this like? And I just had forgotten about it, Cor- honestly. Coriolis is our favorite game games, <laughs> game company, Free League. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Cortex Prime is Which... uh, is its own thing, and there is a
1: long history. Oh wow! I did some digging. I don't normally dig this far, but like as we were starting to go into the rules, I kind of wanted to know where it came from, and I'm going to take just a few minutes here uh to to kind of frame up cortex uh as best as i can i am probably going to get some of these details and opinions a- wrong because there's a lot of gray out there there's not a lot of definitive answers on some of these things but we'll start at the the root so sovereign stone was a, no- a novella series uh that was published by corsair publishing and that that core that sovereign stone was the first iteration that kind of be, was was the core. Uh, Margaret Weiss, and if you recognize that name, that's of T S R and Dragonlance fame, uh, in in two thousand four, received the rights for that. And from this we had the birth of the Serenity role playing game in two thousand five the Battlestar Galactica role-playing game in 2007, the Supernatural role-playing game in 2009, and eventually the release of the Cortex uh, role-playing game system as we know it, that built those. Each one of those were a crafted version of this Cortex role-playing game. Now, Margaret was friends with the people at TSR uh, and the creation therein. Um... Here, you can actually take that out and put it here if it makes it easier. That's why I always keep that out. Sorry, we're fiddling with the We're doing the tea. tea. It's opening tea. Um, But uh, was part of that team. And those original developers, some of them uh, you would recognize were attached to other role-playing games at the time, uh, especially in the early to mid-2000s. And another individual, um, which was uh, uh, Cam Banks, helped in 2009 to refine the Cortex system to kind of almost where we know it today. Now, that was Cortex Plus at that time. Uh, Still working under Margaret Weiss Productions, um, but Cam was another writer uh, and actually uh, received uh, the Origin Awards um, for some of his work. Now, keep in mind, Cam was at Evil Hat Productions before joining the team evil hat of uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians and Dresden Rolf. Right. At ring. the time, it was Fate, which had been released in 2003. Yep, yep. And then, funny enough, he joins in 2009-ish, and just thereafter, Dresden is released. Mm-hmm. And you may note some things in there that feel similar. Okay. So, now with Cam joining in, they add the Smallville role-playing game, and Leverage. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've been keeping track of any of this conversation, all of these are properties. Movie and TV show properties. Yep. yep. Uh, in most cases, these are all actually TV show properties, which kind of should start framing up your mind for what Cortex is supposed to feel like, what their mind frame behind this was, mm-hmm. that story design. They eventually continued uh, with Leverage, Adding this unique flashback mechanic.
2: Wow, where have we seen flashbacks exactly. before? Exactly, and mm-hmm. that was in
1: 2010 that that happened. Okay. Um. So again, we're kind of feeling the bedfellows of fate, and a bit of powered by the apocalypse dungeon world in there, or a uh, dungeon worlds. Just and, a and
0: little drip feed of blades in the dark. Well, I
1: mean, again, following that path line. Yep. Yeah. Um. And then they had the Marvel Heroic RPG in 2012. Now, in uh, 2013, Margaret decided not to renew the Marvel license, and the game went out of print. Cortex Plus Hacker's Guide came out after that, uh, which was kind of an unlicensed thing, um, which added some, changed up the flavors to drama, action, and heroic. Mm-hmm. And from that, uh, the 2014 Firefly role playing game was produced. Uh, And another variant of Leverage, which flavored it differently. Finally, in 2016, uh, a statement was released uh, that uh, a new studio, this Magic Vacuum, would be re-releasing the Cortex system, and uh, would be taking over the design, the development, and publishing beyond 2017. So then we had the Core Prime Kickstarter that kicked off which is what most people recognize now as the core system. Yep. Um, That was fully funded in 2017. Uh, Prime discards the drama action and heroic flavors of plus, and instead offers the modular system that's in the books today um, for basically an open kind of experience, play Mm -hmm. experience that can be developed. Now comes the weirdness in 2019. Fandom tabletop acquired Cortex.
0: Fandom being the uh, the the online company that owns like just about every gaming wiki out yeah. there. Yeah, if you do a search
1: for pretty much any fandom, they show up in the top probably four hits, yeah. if not the top hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if it's a digital property already out there with some kind of a digital game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like in the case of Firefly. Um or or anything like that, it'll be somewhere in there. And you've probably come across their page and not even recognize that you've been there. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who created the D&D Beyond to start with. They had this huge conglomerate of electronic enterprises underneath them that they were shelling together. And in all honesty, fandom was looking to be the place to go to get wiki information about a property, mm-hmm. as well as kind of being a catch-all place to get the right things you need to run a game in a property. Yeah, sure. And with D&D Beyond, they had fantasy, which was whole cloth new production, right, mm-hmm. and all of that kind of thing, as well as uh, you know, this system that was now doing all of these TV show properties, they were kind of in the catbird seat. Yeah, they really were. At which point, uh because they were they had bought Curse, which if you know Curse, Curse Forge, And that whole property set, Mm -hmm. that was all bundled into this. Well, 2022 comes around, and Fandom sells D&D Beyond. They've decided they are not going in that direction. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, things shifted. And the D&D Beyond uh, was going to get transferred to Wizards of the Coast whole cloth, people, asset, everything, Mm -hmm. so that they had full ownership of it over there. Well, that took them out of that game almost completely because now their resource pool that they had went to almost nothing. At least it appeared that way. So, Direwolf Digital steps in and acquires uh, Cortex in an undisclosed agreement, but very public. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are a game development studio that has been doing tabletop board and digital adaptations of games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Root is one of the ones that they've done a digital adaptation of. Um, They're based out in Denver, Colorado. Um, They were actually only around since 2010. But mm-hmm. they've done quite a bit. What's odd is they really don't have TTRPGs other than digital adaptations. But, I mean, they had a technological background mm-hmm. um, that could lead into continuing support of Cortex. If you go to Direwolf Digital, it is very hard to find Cortex because it's not on their page. They've kept Cortex separated. And that kind of worries me a little bit. Because it doesn't speak to any properties, because I don't think they have licensing rights to talk about them, Mm -hmm. necessarily. Tales of Zadia, which was the Dragon Prince property that was being worked on, was continued through development Mm -hmm. and finished. Again, feeling very separated. Um, There was supposed to be a He-Man RPG, which makes total sense within the Cortex design. Totally just stopped. Mm -hmm. That is indefinite hold, never going to happen as far as anyone's concerned. They're not saying that it's gone, gone, but for the most part, it's gone. What this all ties back to is it feels like there were, there was a certain point and I will say 2018 when basically the development of cortex as a base system, a system that was completely agnostic to the properties, but not the feeling kind of stopped sadly. Now, granted, Did it need more development? Could it use another edition? Possibly. But I think it's modular and it's base design is really good. And and it lends itself to being able to be adapted and changed very comfortably. More so than a lot of other properties. And I think that's kind of where I feel like, from my perspective, Mm -hmm. when I get to the narrative section, I will come back to this. But for me, it feels like... After looking at everything within it, you can do whatever story you're thinking of. But the mind frame behind the narrative still needs to be narrative. Yes. You are not going to get to a tactical point
0: in this game. Yeah, you push this as far tactical as you can possibly get, you'll still only hit kind of tactical in the loosest sense. And I will say... Savage world sits on the other side. it is closer to tactical, yeah, yeah, than
2: this game
1: Eim is definitely there, are, I will even say that blades in the dark to a degree feels this much more tactical. I would say that, yeah, just just a smidge, just a smidge, you can't see the size of the smidge, but it is very small, yeah. <laughs> It is small. Just the smidge. It's the weest smidge, wee-est smidge but it wee. is there. Like a sugar cube smidge. Like that size smidge. But it is there. Mm-hmm. But this game doesn't do that. It what it does well is we are telling a narrative story, but we are we are telling whatever narrative we need to tell. Are we telling a Dune epic political story about personal struggles within a galactic sphere? Are we telling a stressful individual's story like expanse where you have a team that's coming and coming apart and being re-glued amidst chaos of the stars or are we telling a tight knit story about you know six friends in a high school that has a hell mouth in the basement Mm -hmm. all of that works all of it works because it's a style of storytelling yeah yeah That doesn't say, I have X hit points, Mm -hmm. and if I lose them, I die. Yeah. And
0: and therein brings us to the system behind it all. Now, when I
1: saw you literally tear out the entire design method
0: that we normally throw in, (laughs) I went... Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I think you're right. I I had a bit of an ordeal. Uh so I've I have an extraordinarily busy week at work and it is still only Wednesday. Yeah. Um and uh so I, I usually, you know, work is a lot later than it is. I have a little bit of time to just kind of look over things for the uh for the podcast between uh, between cases that I'm working and stuff like that, and uh, did not have that luxury this time around. No, so, no. like uh, in the evening, I, uh, I I popped out to our local game store. Big shout out to RIW Hobbies thank here you, in Livonia, thank you, thank you. and um, picked up a copy of their uh, their the, the one and only copy of Cortex Prime. at uh, they had honestly it,
1: beautiful, it's book. A beautiful book, beautiful book, beautiful
0: book. book. And, uh, cause I, I just, I deal with with physical copies a lot better than I feel, sure. good, than I do with with PDFs. Um, and it actually came with a code for a PDF. Had a little bit of trouble redeeming it, but their support system got that, um, uh, ironed out for me in less than 24 hours. So, uh, that's all, that's all resolved. It was good. It was a tentative. Um, I, I can, I have nothing, I, nothing good to say about that. I also, but good things to I, say.
1: I went to look for it. By the way, do not try and find it done. Drive through RPG, you will not find it. The only place that I could buy it from. Was the Cortex main page. CortexRPG.com, yeah. yeah. And even there, I had to go to a separate page to redeem it to get to the rule set. Mm-hmm. So. It's funny that there is some
0: struggle there, which I didn't think was necessary. it's not as straightforward as it could be, but at least, like I said, I I, I couldn't redeem the code that came with. It, it right. came with a code first off. It did, um, which is nice. And then when I couldn't redeem it in less than twenty four hours, their support had had worked that out for me. So, um, I I want to give props where props are due for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, wasn't without a few bumps in the road, but the road led there, and the yep. road existed in the first place. So, yeah, and. To to the design
1: of the book, and I'll get this out of the way, the physical copy of the book and the digital copy of the book are identical. Yeah. Uh it's just obviously clickable indexes are nice. And believe me, in this game in 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 what we're about to go into, it is very, very nice.
0: Mm-hmm. I know you have a lot to talk about. Let me refill this cup for you. Oh thank you. <laughs> um so I had a bit of an ordeal learning this. Uh, mm-hmm. I was already stressed out and I'm trying to devote my evening to 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 learning this. Now, this is not my first rodeo, you know, uh, with with trying to cram a game system into my head in the span of, you know, two days. Right. Um, so usually I'm pretty spry about these things. Um, usually I'm like a, you know, first page, okay, what the heck is going on here? Second page, oh, I kind of see. Third page, oh, I can teach this to Rob. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, this one took me two hours to read 25 pages. My retention was that bad. Got and it. I was like am I just having a bad ADD night or is, or is this just reading like stereo instructions? And it's that it was reading like stereo instructions. So like already strike one against the system and I'm starting to panic. And I'm like, this is not good. I am not going to learn this system by the time I have to write a show about it and then speak intelligently on it for, you know, the better part of an hour. That's honest. Um, so I start panicking and I start flipping through YouTube going, okay, can someone else teach this to me? I want to give a big shout-out right now to the Dungeon Noob's Guide. 100% fantastic. um, Is a great channel on YouTube. Had a 45-minute breakdown of the system, but literally teaches you everything you need to know. And in that, he starts off by saying, this is a weird system to try to learn. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. He goes, I had to read it. Mm -hmm. Then I had to watch a video. Then I had to read it again while taking notes. Then I had to talk it over with my friends just to be able to wrap my head around it. And the video he
1: watched was a live play. Yeah. Which, in understanding the system, I can I can see why that would
0: help. Right. Well, actually, I can kind of understand why it wouldn't help. Well, agree. Well, without reading first. Without reading, right. Yes, yes. Um. So... Uh, what, (laughs) the the big thing that I realized though, is that the thing that was, that was stopping me from, from figuring out what this game is, is that I was approaching it like it was a game system Mm -hmm. because it's a game system, Well, It's what you think it is. It's what you think it is on the surface. (sighs) Cortex prime is a box of Legos. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is. I wouldn't even say, maybe it's not even a box of Legos, because at least a box of Legos tells you that the pieces in this box will make the Millennium Falcon when you're done with it. But you can technically make whatever you want, whatever your little creative heart desires out of it. You don't have to make the Millennium Falcon, right? Cortex literally just hands you a bunch of building blocks and says, this is how those building blocks are kind of supposed to fit together and how it's supposed to work when you put it all together. And here is your gigantic selection of blocks to build your own game system with, like it's an Ikea hobby kit. Yes. Yes.
1: Like, here are all the parts to make a couch at Ikea. How big does your couch need to be? How many butts need to sit on it? What color would you like? Right. Does it need to be low to the ground,
0: or can it be higher? And you're like, I I, I have all of these options? And like, yeah, from the get-go. And you're like, okay, cool. Well, what are the stats? What are the attributes? Like, how do I build a character? And it's like, well, you'll need to figure those things out. What do you mean I need to figure those things out? There are no stats. Mm -mm. There are no attributes. At least not core ones that are from the book. There are suggestions... And there's definitely a way to use this. Like, it is very clear how you use the system to build those. Mm -hmm. But what you need to understand from the get-go is that when you you pick up Cortex Prime, you are not picking up a complete game system. You are picking up the building blocks to make your own game system with. And it does that
1: very well. And it does
0: it really, really well. There's a
1: reason why there are, like, nine properties. Uh Uh-huh. That have their own games that were built off of this engine. It's it's Unreal Five. Yeah, it is literally someone handing you the raw Unreal Five engine and saying, "Build a game." Yeah, exactly. You can you can build a game out of this. It's well, an engine. What do, engine, I, not what a do I build?
0: I don't know. What do you want to build? Yeah.
1: Well, where's my character? I don't know. What does he look like? No, well,
0: there's a couple defaults in there, but yeah. you should probably import your own. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, that is also an exceptionally common part of this. Is a lot of people look
1: to drive through RPG and other systems and find Cortex designed things mm-hmm. but don't know how to play them because they don't under they don't have the underlying system. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in, I'm going to I'm going to rephrase.
0: Let's start using the word engine. Engine. Okay. Cuz it is definitely it's an engine. An engine.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh so, okay. I I I just said a lot of scary stuff. You do. About how it's an IKEA hobby kit and not a functioning system, and how you need to create all of it yourself. And that's true, but we need you to understand that Cortex, actually, once I understood how the system was supposed to be played,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: is phenomenal. I am blown away by this system, actually. Um, The way I would describe it is if Savage Worlds and Fate had a baby, Mm -hmm. and if that baby grew up playing a lot of 7C First Edition. And I will justify that in my TED talk. <laughs> I found it. You found it. Thank it... you, violent menace. Violent menace. Yes. Thank you, violent menace. Back... For this for a couple months ago. Love new love hate relationship we've both acquired.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. You were fantastic. Thank you. And in fact did give us the video did give us the video did give us the video You gave us the cheat sheet and everything man damn it violent menace
0: you were amazing we we appreciate you did but it just got lost in the conversation
1: but we found but what's hilarious is you found it it was the best thing and we move on
0: organically stumbled back upon the thing that was given to me to begin with so i
1: apologize for cutting you off i had found that discovery i apologize please continue
0: all right so seventh c meets fate and heavily influenced by seventh c Okay. There's Savage World. There's or, or, no, no, no Savage Worlds. Fate and Fate and have a baby, and that baby ha- plays a lot of Seven C. Yep. Edition. I agree. I agree. Okay. All now, of that makes sense. Now I, that sounds like there's a lot going on there, but let me justify this. Yes. Okay. So. All of your traits, be they attributes or skills or powers or whatever, okay, are going to be represented by a die. That die is what's going to be rolled when that particular trait gets involved in any sort of a check.
1: Whether it's a d4, a d6, a d8,
0: a d10, a d12. And just like Savage Worlds, we don't use the d20. We only use the 4 through 12. Yeah, because okay. F that D twenty, we don't need it. <laughs> so you're going to have, you know, if if strength is one of your attributes, you might have a D eight in strength, and yep. that is the die associated with it. When your strength is called upon, that die will be the roll, the one you're rolling for your to represent your strength. Okay. Yes. Um, aspects type mechanics from fate. Okay, so mm-hmm. things will be descriptors rather than hard stats. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you may create, say, like a complication. And that complication Mm -hmm. will... And I'll I'll get into what complications are later, so don't worry about it for right now. But that complication might be rickety bridge. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: That's the name of the attribute. For anybody who plays Fate or knows anything about Fate, and and we've talked about it, understands that this is essentially an aspect. It's an aspect on the scene. The bridge is rickety, okay? And if in any way the whatever we're doing to interact with the scene to interact with maybe the people that are on the bridge or whatever if that bridge being rickety would matter to what is going on in the action then that that might have an effect mm-hmm. in there okay so it works just like aspects from fate um and then you've got your your seventh c influences which are actually all over the place they really are there's a dice pool mechanic okay in that you're going to grab those individual dice, like we talked about, you know, having like a, a, a hypothetical D8 in strength, mm-hmm. but maybe also a D6 in athletics, mm-hmm. you're going to take a D8 and a D6 and a, some other dice and roll them together as a dice pool. Correct. Okay. It is a roll and keep mechanic. So you're going to roll a bunch of dice and you're only going to keep two of them. Yep. You're going to add those together and that's going to be your total. Typically, there's going to be your highest dice, but there's some tr- 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 strategic reasons why you may not want to pick your absolute two highest, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, there is a drama dice-like mechanic called plot points. Mm-hmm. Um, acts a lot. Actually, this is a lot like Benny's as well from uh, from Savage yeah. Worlds. Yeah. So you've got two mechanics of a, a meta currency um, that that acts in a sort of heroic, like activate cool things, add extra dice into your roll, sort of yeah. expenditure. Um, and then, like, your NPC types, it actually leans directly on, like, brute squads from 7th Sea. Yeah. Um, and these sort of, like, villain-lieutenant-henchman hierarchy of, like, there are three types of characters. Ones that matter and ones that really don't and don't even get a stat block.
1: Right, they just get, like, oh... These guys are all brutes, so uh, we're going to just put down 3d6 for
0: them, because there's three of them. Yeah, and every time you damage them, it's just going to take a d6 away, because yep. you're thinning their numbers and they're less effective. Yep. Yeah, they they don't even get individual character stat blocks, they literally work as a unit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so all this together makes a very complete game that feels very free and narrative very narratively based, mm-hmm. um, but has just enough crunch in its mm-hmm. dice mechanics to keep the more numerically inclined of us rooted, and that's what I think I really like. like fate I found a little bit to get in, to, a little bit difficult to get involved in mm-hmm. because for me, I need just a little bit of crunch. I like narrative games, sure over over tactical like simulationist games. don't get me wrong, but fate was a a, a bridge too far for me. Yeah, I really think that Cortex is like a really good butter zone for me because it puts numerical value to a lot of the vague aspects that Fate has, mm-hmm. and then gives them a mechanical punch to, to to come with them. and And I think it's great. And I think
1: for me, a lot of people see D anD D rolling like this in the vagary mm-hmm. when they see it played. If yeah. they have no context for what the mechanics are actually doing. This is the vagary that it's showing. Oh, I'm rolling some dice. I'm hitting a number. Mm-hmm. Yay, success. Oh, something bad happened. I roll something else and I succeed anyway. It's heroic and it's fantastical
0: and yeah. cool th- cool yeah. things happen and rule of cool rules the, ru- rules the day. Yeah. And honestly, that that's that's Cortex. Yeah. Rule of cool rules rules, rules the day. Yeah. Like it's great. Yeah.
1: Except in, in a lot of ways, it's the role of the cool. role of cool. I think really fits better for this because it is very role based. Yeah, sure. In that sense, but still puts it so. In that sense, it is very seventh C. Like you're gonna feel heroic during this, mm-hmm. and the dramatic moments are your choice. Yeah, in many ways. Yeah.
0: So ordinarily we would go through like, okay, what is character creation like? What are the stats like? What are you know? What what are the building blocks of a character? How does a character advance in this game? And uh. Rob mentioned earlier that I had to delete essentially all of that formatting out of our typical um, system spotlight show sheet. So (laughs) uh, because it doesn't exist, or rather I should say it does exist, but it just exists as a bunch of building blocks that you need to choose. And to sit down and go through all of those building blocks
1: would be foolish. We're not going to. We're we're just not going to. I'm going to flat out say, go watch the video. Yeah. If you really are that interested, go watch the video. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at this point, I'm going to pause because I just want to say one thing. Sure. The first three pages of the book does a, an amazing job of describing
0: how the Cortex system works. In, and the funny thing is, like, the first page of the book is essentially a one-sheet version of Cortex. Yeah. It literally, as a stand if you read nothing else in that book, you can use it as a one-sheet rules. Mm-hmm. But it explains very clearly what it's trying to get across. Mm-hmm what it is as a engine
1: Mm -hmm. and how it can be applied. And then it says, now to apply this, these are the things you're going to have to do. Welcome to the rest of the book. Yeah. In my opinion, and this is just me, Cortex needs to release those pages. So, people can decide <laughs> and look at it properly. To put them
0: as a warning label. Warning may contain optional rules but, or even just a hype because it really does open up a lot more comfort
1: knowing what you're getting into, yeah, yeah, and people have done a really good job like like the video we saw of explaining it mm-hmm. and honestly I need some serious props for creating that perfect video. Yeah. It does an amazing opening for that, for this product. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, let's try and compress his 45 minutes into about, I don't know, 20,
0: 20. All right. All right. Here goes. Here goes. All right. So stats, traits, character creation, etc. Uh. Deep breath. You need to understand that you're going to create all of this from scratch, Mm -hmm. okay? But it's going to follow a very particular format that is going to guide you through what you need to create Mm -hmm. to make the game function. So at least that much is laid out for you, and that's great. Nearly all three, all games that you're going to create with Cortex is going to feature three prime sets, okay? A prime set is essentially a set of what we commonly know as things like attributes, Mm -hmm. skills, Contacts, resources, okay? relationships, relationships, things like that, okay? Um, the most common ones that we see across a lot of different ones um, in, like, d d it has attributes and skills. Those are D&D's prime sets, okay, mm-hmm. to give you the visual. Um, There's a third one that nearly every single game, unless you've got something really cool to replace it, they basically suggest you always use this as one of your three prime sets. It's mm-hmm. called distinctions, okay? Mm-hmm people who play fate will know what distinctions are. They are your character aspects mm-hmm. okay They are three traits that you define yourself that essentially define your character. Now, okay This
1: also comes out beyond fate and a couple other systems that that are more indie like mm-hmm. um, We see it in some of the powered by the apocalypse games where it's a if used, it it, it is a tool for your character. My character is you know a, I think uh, to a degree, uh, uh mouse guard does this mm-hmm. first mouse forward yeah yeah that yeah. defines my character in a clean way and if i'm in in this system if i was using that I, it becomes part of my role my pool mm-hmm. and and in that um nature and
0: demeanor to a degree have those kind of feelings as well But to a lesser. It's 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 more it's more kind of like what your character's main oversweeping ideal is. Okay. So like my character in your Dungeons and Dragons game would've been like um my my it would have been like Winter Witch, Mm -hmm. Mountain Survivalist, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, uh Simple Girl Next Door or something like that. You know? Uh, I, I don't know. I I can't think of a third one off the top that, that's decent off the top of my head. But like Winter Witch and Mountain Survivalist are two really great distinctions. Okay, so if I was I'm going to power hungry, but maybe, but that's more of a descriptor than a than a defining attribute. Um, okay, well, yeah, maybe 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 power is everything. Something like that. There you we know? go. Um. So if if I'm doing something magically inclined, as my character oftentimes did because she was a wizard, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would be adding my winter witch distinction into my die pool. So let's take,
1: for instance, the scene that I had uh, in my game where you were... Well, let's not get too granular. Well, no. What I'm going to say is we're talking about the three prime examples. Mm -hmm. We have an attribute, so uh, like intelligence. Yeah. We have a skill, arcana. Or or magic could have been the second one, a, a magical ability. Sure. And then the third one would be your distinction. Mm-hmm. So you were killing the guy who was attempting to murder your family. Yeah. With a, an ice spell designed to murder him.
0: Yeah. I would think that your distinction of the Winter Witch would 100% come I, out. So I would roll Winter Witch plus Intelligence plus Arcane. As your pool. As my pool. Plus, any other, like, uh, um, uh, assets I might have, mm-hmm. or any complications he might have that might add into my die pool and stuff like that, I would roll all of those together. Like the darkness that was going on in the space. Yes, things like that. Or, like, the the storm that I had summoned up Yeah, um, might have been a asset that anyone in the, you know, the, the it might have be. been a complication in the scene, you yep. know? Um, but it creates right.
1: a pool to roll of
0: several different dice. Right. So... The thing you need to understand, though, is that you are going to define, other than those distinctions, those distinctions mm-hmm. are always going to basically kind of be, like, up to the character. Yes. Okay. The other two prime sets are going to be something that you, as the storyteller, as the one who's creating your own Cortex game, are going to need to define. Mm-hmm. Not all games are going to have attributes plus skills. No. Your game might have relationships plus contacts. Mm-hmm. And you're going to play a very political game off of it. Because it doesn't matter how strong you are. Yeah, In a game of politics, it doesn't matter if you know how to pick a lock in a game of politics. It matters who you know, and it matters who you are and what you have.
1: Yeah. Like, in my personal opinion, if I was going to be running a Battletech game, a giant mm-hmm. mech-style game... Sure. ...that was cartoony... Mm-hmm. ...I don't need attributes. Skills, maybe. Yeah, sure. And then relationships would be very important. Mm-hmm and i might need to put in
0: assets in case there's technology like yeah, my sure. mech you know if it comes into play or or you know if if you if you are going to do something like attributes things like you know panache yeah or you know you're like especially in battle tech like that i was about how mech warriors are arrogant and how yeah. that arrogance is is something that really gets them to you know push their mech forward and really you know yeah.
1: arrogance focus yeah you know, uh, uh, stability, coordination. Yeah. You know the and, things. Yeah. And those things could
0: be used in all kinds. And again, they're not giving you those attributes. Right. You have to make this stuff <laughs> up. You have to decide what is valuable in your setting,
2: mm-hmm. in
0: your game, and you have to write these things. But at its core, you come up with two core sets plus dis- uh, two, uh, yeah, two your- uh, two prime sets plus your distinctions. Yep. Okay.
2: That's to create we, your base. That's pools. where we're at yeah.
0: right now. Okay, all those traits, whether whether they are a attribute or a relationship or mm-hmm. a whatever, they're all going to have a die type between D4 and D12. Yep, that represents their value. Okay, basically everything else in the game is modular. Yep. That is the only other thing that quote unquote has to happen. Okay, health and stress mechanics. I don't know. What rules do you want to use for them? They're mm-hmm. all optional rules. use, You can, use, yeah, you can use none of them. You can use a couple of them in concert with one another. You can, And in, in, them, in using them, you can make them whatever you want. Like, just stress. Yeah. Okay? That is an optional rule. Stress. Mm-hmm. Okay? Is this physical stress? Is this emotional stress? Is this mental stress? Is this a sanity thing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you want it to be? No. Do you want to just use one stress track, or would you like to use multiple? Like, health stress? and emotional stress. Yeah. Would you like to take that a bit further and throw the trauma rule on top of it, that when your stress maxes out, it gives you a long-term trauma? Hmm, what does that sound like? Sounds a little bit like Blades in the the Dark. Dark. So, you know, all of these rules are there for you to decide how you want to apply them to your game. But if you want a stress track of any sort, here's the rules for it there's also just, no just define it and here's how it works experiments or advancement yeah that's all up to of those two optional rules yeah you don't have to have any advancement in your game your characters can be completely static if you're just running a one shot it's fine or even a campaign where you really don't want to deal with it mm-hmm. or you could do milestone experience or you could do procession experience you could mm-hmm. do point by experience or you could just give them points to spend you know mm-hmm. uh, it's all there for you um do you want powers do you want abilities do you want magic do you want special effects-hmm all of these things are optional rules to be peppered in as you like. Yeah. Et cetera. And there's a whole mod
1: structure that sits outside of this mm-hmm. that people have added on beyond the Cortex system that navigates into it. Mm-hmm. So you will find other mods
0: out there. Yeah. Tons of them, in fact. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how much is out there. And just, just to be plugged in. Yeah. It's all modular. It's all designed to be manipulated because it's it's just the structure, essentially. You're it's buying the... a server rack... You have to buy the server. You to.
1: to put in. It's the engine. Yeah. It's an engine that runs a game. Yeah. How do you want to use it? What other add-ons do you want to put on top mm-hmm. of it? Your your basic
0: code. All right. So let's talk dice mechanics.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now this is this is where uh, this is where the action happens, man. And this is I really once I understood the dice mechanics, I really started to appreciate the system. Yes. Um. All right. So nearly all rolls, as I said before, are going to be a minimum of distinction. Plus prime trait one plus prime trait two. So, in our example, in our living example, and this is just an example, mm-hmm. you can do anything. Sure. Distinction, attribute, skill. Right. Okay. Um, you roll this as a dice pool. You're going to roll all of them together, and there's going to be different shaped dice too. So, I might have a D8. Or D, distinctions are always D8s. Sure. Um, but I might have a D10 in intelligence, and I might have a D8 in arcane. Sure. So I'm rolling two D8 and a D10. Yes together all right
1: you may also
0: be adding into that pool any other bonuses right right situation for right now let's keep it simple just the three all right because that's the barest minimum that we're going to be doing Mm -hmm. it's a roll and keep system so i'm going to keep two of those dice as my result Mm -hmm. now on the storyteller's end Or possibly if this is a contest with another PC or another character or whatever, they're going to be rolling their own dice, basically. And we're going to see who gets the higher number. Yes. The storyteller, on on static challenges, the storyteller is going to figure out if if it's an easy challenge all the way up to a very difficult challenge. They're going to grab two, either D4, D6, D8, D10, or D12, depending on the scale of the difficulty. Mm -hmm. And they're going to roll those. And that's going to set the difficulty that I need to hit. Unless, of course, you mod that rule away and then it doesn't work that way because there's a dozen different ways to do that. But that is still well. the basic. That's but still that's, the basic. But that's the basic. If you don't mod it, that's how it's done. All yes. right. So this, the, the, the random difficulty gets set and then now I need to roll above it with my three dice that I'm keeping two, two. of. Okay. I'm going to add those two together. If it is higher than what was asked of me, mm-hmm. then I succeed. Now, the third die is not forgotten. The third die then becomes what's called our effect die. And when we say third die, it's whatever die you picked out of your pool. Yeah, yeah. So if I use the D8 and the D10, the remaining D8 of our hypothetical here is my effect die. If you had other dice, you could pick a different die. If I hit it on just the 2D8, my effect die is the D10. Now, the thing that is important about the effect die is that the size of it is only is the only thing that matters. The value on the die does not matter
2: mm-hmm.
0: unless it's a 1- then it can't be used. Right. And we'll... those are, That's called a hitch, and we'll, we'll get s- to hitches in a minute. Set those aside. Um, we'll set that to the side. Understand that rolling a one essentially kills the die. It cannot be used for anything. Right. Um, so... The effect... The effect is essentially determined off of the size of the die. So if your effect die is a d4, you barely scraped by. Also... But, but you did succeed. If your pool is only two dice so you don't have a third die it, it defaults, defaults to a, a d4 yes um but again like i said you know in this hypothetical maybe my d8 my two d8s added mm-hmm. up to higher than the number i needed mm-hmm. so i've got that d10 and that's a pretty honking effect die i've got there especially because you can only go up to a d12 exactly so i'm just below the maximum effect i can possibly get out of that that's pretty darn good. Now, from a narrative standpoint, that just helps us explain how big the success was. Okay, but it does also have an an, a, an actual like in-game effect. Okay, mm-hmm. oftentimes we can take these things and turn them into an asset or a complication. Right. Okay. Um, If narratively appropriate, and again, your roles are going to be all over the place depending on what the story is calling for, what you've chosen to build your Cortex game with, etc., etc. So it's impossible for me to define how this would work in your game. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But you can use that effect eye to create an asset or a complication. Um, And essentially what that does is, again, like in Fate, you're going to create an aspect. Okay. This is something like... um, maybe i uh i i i'm scrounging for something so i'm going to roll a maybe a perception plus um uh perception plus Research. search search uh plus my mountain survivalist because scrounging for things is a survivalist type skill sounds good okay with that die pool i succeed i have an extra d8 worth of effect i'm going to create so that effect is going to create for me a d8 asset because that was my effect die, called torch. Okay. Now I have a torch. I found a torch. Perfect. That, that it has the value of D8. Now you can use that. Any time that having that torch is important, say in future search roles in this dark dungeon, mm-hmm. being able to see is pretty important. So guess what? If that torch comes into play in a narrative sense, I get to add its D8 to my roll, to my die pool.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so you start seeing where we say minimum of three dice, and then a bunch of other stuff might add into it. Yep. Okay. Complications work kind of the other way. If I have a complication on me, say, um, okay, the bridge that I'm on has—it's you know, a rope bridge—and mm-hmm. somebody's sawing away at the thing, and now it's rickety. It's about to teeter over. Okay, my footing is all very uncertain. Anybody on that bridge gets the complication of rickety bridge now anybody acting upon us at which point the if if our footing comes into question in the same way that having a torch would matter in a narrative sense if us being on a rickety bridge in a narrative sense matters they get to essentially call upon that complication and add the value of that complication to their die pool to screw us over right the antagonist gets it exactly the, per- the person who's taking advantage of that being a No different. And I, and I
1: love this about one of the things about a rickety bridge is mm-hmm. if you're antagonizing someone else, people coming across that bridge, and you do the whole, like, I'm going to swing the bridge,
0: that's you using the die to your advantage. Yeah. But it also means that that effect could go up. <laughs> and complications can just be things that happen to an entire scene. Like, there's an example in the book uh, that you noticed the about mob. Uh, the, 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 the mob. Yes. There's a panicked mob. It just goes in the middle of the table. Panicked mob to D8. Now, say if I want to slink away and, you know, just disguise myself amongst the panicked mob and slip away from prying eyes, I can add that to my stealth roll. Because it acts as camouflage to me. Um, if I am trying to... Y- 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 you can imagine follow like, a, somebody. a dozen different ways in which panicked mob might come into right. play. You like, know? for instance, if you were trying to follow somebody mm-hmm. and they panicked the mob, they're
1: technically the antagonist, mm-hmm. or the def- defender in this case, and it goes to them to add to
0: their role because it's hindering you. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, complications and assets can, can work out real cool and they can start adding up. They really can. Um, and you can, there are things you can do in game, uh, where, you know, if your effect die, if you like affect something a second time, you might bump its effect die up a second type. So like if you keep trying to saw apart the bridge, it might become more rickety. Mm
2: -hmm. So it
0: goes from a D8 to a D10. Then it goes from a D10 to a D12. Once it surpasses a D12, that bridge collapses. Yeah, the effect is now serious. Yeah, it yeah. it like it can't sustain anymore, so it just falls apart and it's like removed from the scene. Yeah, you know,
1: um, one of the ones that uh, uh, that this brought into my head is like if you were doing like the mech example, you could have bombardment. That Mm -hmm. was starting and you call, you call in your own mortar. So now there's more bombardment going on the field. Sure. At a D 12, when it kicks over, Mm -hmm. something happens. Yep. There are now, you might change that to craters, impassable, which creates two complications now. Yeah. So you could stack complications beyond that. So now you have
0: two D six complications on the table. And this, this, this creates a environment in which it's still narrative, but you have a sort of strategic incentive to play with the environment and not just, you know, hack at each other until each other's life pools are gone, you know, it's.
1: Or also use different aspects to give yourself items. Yeah, sure. Abilities.
0: Found opportunities absolutely you know if you've got if you've got someone who has like fire magic on there you know uh okay well i'm gonna splash him with lamp oil and i'm gonna give him the um uh i'm gonna give him the complication flammable okay go to it tristan yeah you know yeah
1: and now that's effective and the effect increases
0: you know yeah exactly now he's on fire it's like (laughs) oh okay now now he's flammable so i'm gonna hit him with a fireball do i get to use that comp yes i think yes, you, did you did. use the complication yes, yes. <laughs> you know um and then, yeah like you said that that might clear it off and turn him to just immolated
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then he's got another different comp which is a serious complication <laughs> anytime i had a problem i just lived through a molotov cocktail then i had a different bigger
1: problem <laughs> but i think this also leans into where table narration means a lot yeah there are yeah. there are suggestions all through how effects should be utilized, mm-hmm. but again, that's up to you building the system
0: with your players. Yep, yep. Uh, so we mentioned earlier that uh, rolling ones kind of kills a die, um, and that's called a hitch. Uh, any die that rolls a one is called a hitch. Um, it's not necessarily bad in and of itself, but it can cause two negative things to happen. Um, so the first thing is first off that it kills the die altogether. You can't use it as an uh, as an effect die, you can't use it for your total. Mm-hmm. Um so it you may it may outright just kill uh, you know, the fact like you said, if if you don't have an effect die, you know, if I roll three dice and one of them comes up as a one, I have to take the other two as my total. I don't get an effect die, it defaults to a D four. And if that third die was like a D twelve, that that kind of sucks. Yeah. But and that's the way the cookie crumbles. Right. The other thing is that, and this is familiar to 7C people, is that the storyteller can buy them off of you. There is that metacurrency that we discussed earlier called plot points. Yes. And, um, you can use plot points for all sorts of different things. Uh, The list is honestly too long to get into, but it's basically adding uh, a die to to your role, activating certain abilities, things like Um, that.
1: And the storyteller gets traditionally one plot point per player at the table, one Mm -hmm. character at the table, um, to start with, and then can buy using those plot points others Mm -hmm. or buy the dice from them, thus the doing the transactional situation, um, and storytellers can use those plot points for their own things, uh, increasing dice rolls, uh, changing, uh, activating effects on certain mm-hmm. uh, creatures and stuff like that. Again, very reminiscent to a lot of other systems that use bennies or drama dice.
0: So when a, when a storyteller buys them off of you, um, you get a complication. Uh, so that's not great, because obviously you don't want complications. But, you know, again, they make the story more interesting, you yes. know. Um, but... In addition, he buys them off of you with a plot point, and that's one of the main ways that you're going to generate plot points for your player for your player characters is by buying their their uh, uh, their hitches mm-hmm. off of them, um, and that cre- therein creates that economy of mm-hmm. you, you. don't want your players very much like bennies. Um, anybody who plays Savage Worlds knows that you want to keep the bennies flowing at the table, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with plot points. You want your players to feel free to spend their plot points, and you want them to know that they will get those plot points back. Yeah. And that's just part of how the game is played. Complications are not something that is a, you know, crippling thing to your character. It's just something that it happens. It yeah. just makes the story more interesting and something you're going to have to work around. Something that shakes the scene up a little bit. Say you're in a car chase
1: and you, you botch. Mm-hmm. You have a hitch. The storyteller buys the die off you and says, you have a complication. No brakes. No breaks. No breaks. So your brakes just don't work. So you want to slow down? That's not going to happen. Yep. You have to handle handling? Well, no brakes. Mm-hmm. All that now comes into play. It doesn't ruin the game. It doesn't make it any more
0: destructive. Mm-hmm. It just adds a complication. Complication. Shattered windows. Your your, your windshield's been shot out. Yes. What does that do? I don't know. What's... You don't just don't have a windshield anymore. So if something hits your windshield, it doesn't now. Or you can't very well see through it as, as well as you'd like yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's It doesn't have a direct negative effect. But it might come up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. and and because of that, <clears throat> hitches can come in multiples. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah just you, like if you, you if you roll if you roll all ones, you've botched, and that's that's the way that you botch. That's uh, the that is the top end of the hitch scale. <laughs> uh, now, unlike other game systems like Savage Worlds, you can actually spend your plot points to uh, re-roll a botch. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, I don't remember exactly, and and again. Selectable. All of, all of these are more or less suggestions because there's alternate rules that basically change just about all of this if you select those. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's basically the flow of the game. You're going to create your dice pools. Mm-hmm. You're going to roll them for not only success or failure, but also your effect. Mm-hmm. Um, your effects are going to create assets and complications. Those are going to modify die pools moving forward. And scenes progress like this.
1: Everything else is a module that tells you how those effects play out. Mm -hmm. Whether you gain stress, you lose hit points, you gain experience, you gain items. All of that is at will. yeah, Or not at all, and it's narrative. Mm -hmm. It all depends on what you want at the table. And some of the best parts of that is the fact that if you find that your story is bending in a direction... You are no longer bound to what is sitting there in front of you on the character sheet. Mm-hmm. You Oh, suddenly we now have, you know, we, we've been in a game where, you know, uh, the players weren't going to space. Now they're going to space and having to deal with j- fighter ships. Oh, okay. Well, uh, let's add some resources. Let's add a resource module. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. What are we going to need for that? Mm, we also might need some G-force stress, so that you guys can do combat maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Okay, add it in. You don't have to like change game systems. Sure, you plug it in and keep moving. Yep. Nobody, ch- the system doesn't change. the The base engine still functions the exact same way. You just now have more tools. And
0: that honestly is one of the greatest things about this, and it's is it makes it a uh, uh, just. Honestly, a crown jewel of the generic systems right up there, I think, along with Savage Worlds and with GURPS and stuff like that. of Just really being able to handle any type of story that you want to play. um, Can. you, You really can. You really can in Cortex. There's nothing Cortex cannot do. Except, in my personal opinion, Tactical. Well, okay, but that's a style of game, that's not a genre, and that's and that's what and, I'm talking and about. And that's the point it that can, I want to get it across. It can handle anything from hard fantasy all the way up to, you know, weird sci-fi. Correct. And all, and all genres in between. Right. As long as you are role-playing. You want to play Lovecraft? Cool. You yep. want to play Space Age? Cool. You want to play Star Wars? Cool. Like, it's yep. all there. All yep. the pieces are there. All the way into fantasy. Just remember that fantasy
1: is role-playing, not tactical tabletop miniature gaming yes exactly and that's what cortex really defines here when you get to the dm section Mm -hmm. i will flat out say that it is lacking as far as as far as your first look at it there is probably a total of eight pages that helps you run this game that's it which it's an engine it doesn't know what you're gonna do but it's going to try and give you some help on that just a bit. And the reason for this is because if you want to run firefly, go get the firefly book. Oh, you want to run Battlestar Galactica, go get the Battlestar Galactica book. Somebody wrote that. Oh, you want to run a tune game. Guess what? Someone on drive through RPG has that. And Mm -hmm. they'll teach you how to GM a tune game in this. Mm -hmm. We've told you how the rules work. We've given you all the modules, Now, you want to build this into something? I'll give you some ideas. I'll tell you how you can apply a system to some of those ideas. But after that, it's really up to you. And in that, they don't use the term NPC. They use GMC. GM characters. Game
0: moderator characters. Now,
1: that is not a game master character. You are not putting yourself in the game. Do not read that wrong. Read the section, understand that they merely change the words NPC. hmm Because they're not non-player characters. They are literally your assets and tools. They could be a group of people. They could be a mob of people. They could be a single dragon. Or they could be a town square, a rickety bridge. Mm -hmm. All of these are assets within the scene, and they're what matters. That's it. Stop adding extra crap. Because they don't have a character sheet. They're not characters. Mm -hmm. They are D6s, and a couple D8s, and (laughs) some words like fire breath, and Flaming Hatred. Okay, that have values attached to them. Sure. They are simplified rule sets within the design. A a demon lord will have extras that are literally going to be attached to his character. So that when he's out there trying to kick your butts, he's rolling his dice pool, keeping two having effects, but he also has extras that might come into play. For instance, when he goes to attack you, his mob of rumpdies are going to, are going to attack as well.
0: That becomes part of the equation. Yeah. I actually really liked that rule that, uh, uh, extras are so lowly. They don't even count as their own characters. They literally, they literally count as assets for the villain. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: And sometimes you're the villain. You're the character that is the villain. And sometimes the villain is just a place and things going on, Mm -hmm. which is what we talk about all the time in a narrative sense. We're not building a plethora of actors and characters. Those are things that need to come out for the scenes. Mm -hmm. Everything else is narrative. Have fun. Do whatever you're doing. But when it comes down to the mechanics of the scene, you should be able to pull that together pretty quickly and have it on an index card. Mm Mm-hmm. In big, bold print. Yeah. Like, it's kind of scary. What's amazing to me is running the game opens with a direct quote that a bunch of people here will recognize immediately from D. Vincent Baker. Play to find out what happens. Where have we heard that
0: before? Hmm. Blades in the Dark.
1: It's literally printed in crazy font.
0: Powered by the Apocalypse games across the board. Across the board.
1: Yep. Across the board.
0: Yep. So the reason why I went through the history that I went through
1: with you was to understand that really this game was a break from TSR. Mm-hmm. From a tactical look to say, what can we do? They're doing tactical fine. hmm Let's step away from tactical because they are, they are not going to get a heroic system out of this. Mm-hmm. And let's make something that can, we can tell the stories that TV portrays for us, that movies portray for us, that series portray for us, yep. that novels give us. And by God, you can honestly do Dragonlance 100% better in Cortex than you can in DD. Yeah. But you could do a lot in here because it's designed to be that type of a engine mm-hmm. to help you craft that. So to anyone listening to this, specifically about the DM section, do not buy this book to learn how to run your game. Know how to do that.
0: No I know how to do that ahead of
1: time. But if you are trying to homebrew your own freaking system. Here it is. And it's a narrative game that you're doing. If your players are crunch light And really just want to do some storytelling, but have some math behind it. Pick up the damn book. Yep, this is it. It's going to take you a little while, but dear God, this is going to just solve that problem. Mm -hmm. It will flat out solve it. It may not be, and it is not for the timid game master.
0: It isn't, it isn't. Uh, let's, Let's talk a little bit then about what we think it does well. What we don't think it does well, because I think we're kind of rolling into that. We, we really
1: are. We really are. Uh, so go ahead, and I'll let you open. I'll come back to to some of
0: my thoughts. All right. So what does Cortex do well? Okay. Look, this can be used to build just about anything without question. Um, it's a gigantic toolkit, has nearly every option you could ever want to choose from, giving you the freedom to tailor your game to be to your exact specifications. Like Rob said, you're never going to push it all the way into tactical. It's never going to be a board game like like Dungeons and Dragons is. You're still going to be heavily on a narrative side, okay? Yeah. But you're going to be able to tell just about any story that you want to. Yep. Okay. Um, the dice, along with it, can be as light or as involved in, as needed, um, and you can add some nice multi-dimensional outcome with effect dice heroic successes and you know straight up say if
1: you've got a giant bag of dice and your players are all dice goblins you're gonna love
0: this game. it's a great game you're gonna be building huge dice pools out of it's fantastic um uh but but like i said the the dice add a lot of multiple like different outcomes from not just success or failure but success with complications Mm -hmm. um you know failure but you created an asset you know cetera, etc etc From a narrative aspect, this game
1: simplifies what you have to do as a storyteller. It makes it very easy mechanically to roll and telegraph things to your players. You can literally set in front of them cards that have everything. When your bad guy comes out, instead of having to put 100 minis on the table, you can literally put down a card that says BBEG, explain them, but at the same time for those players who are like, Well, how many bad guys are with him? You set out a bunch of d6s, they're his henchmen, Mm -hmm. they're a mob, right? And then he has 2d12 as his base stats, and then he has these other abilities. You know, he's he looks to be breathing fire, and you set down a d8, Mm -hmm. and you know, and his his lair is has dripping lava. As it splashes around, so you set dripping lava as an effect literally in the room and set a d6 on it, Mm -hmm. right? And then there's another one that says, like, fiery rage on his card, and you set a d6 on that. Sure. And now
0: they can feel what the pool is that's going to be rolled Mm -hmm. and that's telegraph. And they can see the aspects and people can be like, Oh, there's lava here. What can I do with that? And they're instantly thinking they're absorbing the scene, just seeing all of this stuff out there. But
1: it's not just words coming at them. Mm -hmm. It's not you having to build a bunch of art. It's you could do this whole thing with three by five cards and dice Mm -hmm. and have everything you need for cortex. Yeah. And that is wonderful. That is really, really wonderful from an aspect of a storyteller because you can touch every single player that you need to. You have your visual, you have your tactile, you have your players who have a hard time imagining can now physically look at the math that's going on. You can make decisions about what you're going to do and what dice you're going to pick. To make your roll, you know, when you make up your rolls so that your effect can do what you want the effect to do, Mm -hmm. especially because if you're, if the other guy is going to be rolling 3d12, there's a maximum of what they're going to be able to roll off of that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to beat that roll. That's hard. Yeah. You know, so maybe you have to prep the space before you can even take
0: this guy on. Right. And you're also thinking too that like, man, if he's rolling 3d12, like... Unless he and unless one of those comes up as a 1, one of those is going to be the effect die. Yeah. So even if he doesn't succeed, he's still got a D12 effect die. He's like, going to do something, probably breathe fire on yeah, us. Yeah, that makes him a very dynamic character in the scene. You but, know? but that kind of math is easy. Yeah.
1: It's not a CR rating. There's no balance here. Yeah. It's narrative, but still showing weight. Yes. And again, that yes. weight is very... Very easily telegraphed yes. to your players. Yes. If you have a specific feel, a specific scope, and a specific theme. Mm-hmm. For instance, I want a heroic feel. I want my theme to be a uh, swashbuckling, right? But I want my scope to be only on the seas, right? We'll we'll, we'll dally to ports, but that's it. I can very easily scope down with my players that this is all we need mechanics wise. I don't need these other pieces. I no longer have to carve apart forged in the dark and, and hobble something together. Mm-hmm. I can literally say, here's our three things. I need distinctions. Here's some skills that you will have. And here's relationships. Mm-hmm. Boom. Done. That, that's all we need. Yeah, we don't need anything else. I need mystical powers. I don't need anything else. But as the play evolves, I can always change that. I can always add to that as needed.
0: Yeah, and and along with a lot of other hacks, um, you know, most people don't understand when you're when you're hacking a system is that um, when uh, systems are designed to fit together like mm-hmm. puzzle pieces, and mm-hmm. if you pull one piece out, it may make other pieces non-functional that seem unrelated. Yes, you know. Um, i I, I was actually gotten in an argument with somebody on Reddit just like yesterday that Mm -hmm. was like, well, I don't understand. You can just pull all this stuff out of D and D. And I'm like, then why are you playing D and D if you're just going to rip it apart and only use literally two mechanics out of the entire, you know, thing, like don't play D and D then. Well, why do you need a different system? Because it's not D and D. Yeah. You know, and you're breaking so many other systems trying to do it like that with something like cortex, where it's designed to be modular no matter which pieces you're plugging in, no matter which way you hack it, they're all designed to fit together. Yeah. So you're not breaking anything by vastly altering your system using one set of mods than using a different one. You exactly. Know, it's all meant to fit together.
1: And a lot of these, because it's kind of powered by the apocalypse and 7th C and other things that we've talked about, kind of has all the mechanics that those other systems have mm-hmm. already there waiting for you. Mhm. And that makes it really easy. Yeah. Now you're now you don't have to look to those systems to see how they did it. Yeah. It's it's in the rules. It's it's right there in the system. Click the button, add mm-hmm. it. You know, and that's wonderful.
0: <laughs> add to cart. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, what does this game not do well? I will tell you one thing. Having picked up the book, having tried to struggle through it, I got 25 pages read in 2 hours. Because it was so dense, and I just I had such a hard time comprehending it. And that's a pretty big red flag for me. That's a pretty big strike against it. Yeah. Um, It's because it's not – you need to understand it's not a system. It's a toolkit. Okay? And you're yeah. not going to start on page one and read through to page 200 and absorb everything sequentially and learn it. It's reading a menu. It's reading a set of options. And so – you're definitely going to learn a lot about what your options are, but you're not going to learn a lot about how to play the game. Um, I had to seek online assistance for this um, to finally see what the game was trying to teach me. And that's when I finally got it. it was when I had somebody else explain it to me in a 45 minute long YouTube video. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a red flag against it. But again, you know, your mileage may vary.
1: True, true, true.
0: It is a build your own RPG.
1: And I think in that sense, It isn't for the timid to step into and just start throwing chunks at it because there's a certain sense of that you need to experience it Mm -hmm. to be able to say whether something's going to work right or not for what you're doing.
0: Yeah, and and, and it doesn't work out of the box. You can't just be like, I'm going to run Cortex and then maybe mod it later. It's like there is no Cortex. Mm -hmm. You have to build it, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And... Because you have to build it, you have to be able to explain that design to your players. There's no default character sheet for them to look at. There's no default cheat sheet for them to even look at. You can't hand them a quick start guide because what what are you starting? Right. You You haven't built it yet. Right. You have to build your quick start and your cheat sheets for your players. Yes. And that is a daunting task for even people who are skilled at it. Yep. So... It puts a lot of weight on the pre-staging, but I, but again, it's also giving you the pieces that you need and giving some examples. Mm-hmm. So there's some things there to be said. Yeah, sure. Um, it is not, and I say that in giant, font, bold, underlined, not for new storytellers. Yeah, I would never in a hundred years hand this to a a new storyteller and say, good luck. Nor would I immediately without question, just look at someone who is trying to homebrew and be like, Cortex, dude, why are you doing this to yourself? Mm -hmm. Because just by saying that I'm opening a can of worms for that person, right? I'm, I'm going to hand them a a, a unreal five engine and say, why aren't you building in this? It's no different than someone looking at them and saying, you know, yeah, I've been coding this and C in C sharp. Why aren't you using Java? I don't know Java, oh dude, Java, 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 mm hmm okay, that doesn't mean anything right, if I go right. go grab a book on Java, it still doesn't tell me how I need to
0: rewrite everything that I'm doing in it for me I, I would use a, I would use a restaurant metaphor for it. Sure, it's like uh yeah, I'm going out uh, going out to a really really nice restaurant. we're going to get some beef Wellington, you know, dude, why aren't you just cooking that at home? Bro, do you know how complex making beef Wellington is? Well yeah, but you can just use cortex. Yeah. You know, all the pieces are there. Yeah. Uh, all right, but <laughs> I could just be buying a beef wellington that's already assembled for me and ready to play, I mean, eat, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. It's, <laughs> so it's it's not always the best solution, but if you are willing to, if you, you know, I would take say if the ingredients and do your own home cooking mm-hmm. and roll your sleeves up and get involved for the real DIYer, yeah, it's a pretty damn good option.
1: Yeah, I will... I will say that Cortex is kind of the professional's tool set for Mm tabletopping. It sits within that set. It's not prosumer. I I honestly would say GURPS is prosumer. Yeah. Because it, it just hands you a bunch of tools, like Makita tools, and says, Hey, I built you a Makita tool set. Use it all. Or none of it. I don't not, care. Not sponsored, right? You know, I'm. <laughs> I, you know, here's your craftsman. Here's your, you know, whatever. And and go ahead and and start playing with it. Build whatever mm-hmm. you want to build with it. It'll work. Whereas these guys are saying, here's everything. Pick. Oh, you're you're building a workbench. Mm-hmm. I'll give you some ideas on how to on what tool sets you're going to need for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But I, I'm not going to tell you what reference section at the library to go get your book on woodworking
0: right, you should right. get. Uh, Sean, Sean actually likened it uh, uh, last night. He was like, uh, you know, most most books are like, here's how you build a, a thing. This book is more like electrical engineering for dummies. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. You're just keep teaching me broad concepts and you're expecting me to do something with them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's really accurate. Mm-hmm. That is really accurate. So, um, but the good news is is there are a lot of resources out there for it. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's a a
1: good community. Uh, The online tools are pretty good for Mm -hmm. it. A big, big searchable reference document for it. Um, Yeah. And the reason why you don't hear about it is because it's hard to talk about it without getting specifically into a game design. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's wonderful to see, and I'll come back to Unreal Engine, it's wonderful to see the enhancements that are going on in Unreal Engine and how different it is from being able to do game design in something else because it's very easy to show terrain and Mm -hmm. lighting and and movement. But all of that is just core functionality. Mm -hmm. Doesn't show what that's going to turn into a game until someone develops something in it. And can show off that as an asset, and then it makes sense. And that's the difference. That's what you're going to find online from people is them talking about games they're running in Cortex and why it's successful. Mm-hmm. But that takes a lot of effort to get to that point. Yep. So,
0: all right, let's get to some questions. I love it. So we are already running very late here. We
1: are a little bit, but we de- it deserves to be because it's a system spotlight.
0: Uh, so, new uh, uh, new Discord member DB. Um, asks uh, other systems and games make drastic changes between their versions, sometimes making one edition drastically different than another. Do the versions of Cortex play differently from another, or is it like a long line of patches that don't fundamentally change the core system of the game? Assuming the versions are significant and different, uh, significantly different. What sort of game or table would each version be good for? Okay.
1: So I'm going to kind of hit this one because I have the history Yeah, this one, I don't don't have
0: an answer for this So,
1: original Cortex was the start point, so think of it as kind of like the rough draft that did a great job at what it was trying to develop. Mm -hmm. From that, they learned Cortex Plus. And Cortex Plus decidedly said, okay, okay, okay. Realistically, there are only three types of games out there. Action, drama, and uh, I think the other one was like romance. And so here are here are modules for each of those. They're interchangeable. So if you want to do like, I don't know, a zomedy or an action-com or a a romedy, you can do those. Like you can mix and match. I tell you to stop making up genres. <laughs> no. You've never told me to do that. Um so I think to answer your question it is it Cortex prime is the final evolution of those two steps. Plus some hacking that happened in between when that cam kind of with the development team figured out, stop trying to help people build, uh, games and make like pre gens And And just just give give them them, a damn toolkit. Give them a damn toolkit because they're going to do it anyway. This is
0: its final form. Its power level is over 9,000. Right. It is unstoppable. And in all honesty, I think if we see, like,
1: Cortex Prime Mm 2.0, the 2.0 is just going to have maybe a, a different polish to it and probably more assets to apply, as well as maybe some better descriptions about how those assets can go together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Or... Or even just a
1: digital engine that lets you click the modules and it builds you a character sheet. That'd be great. Like, I'd love that. I could, I could have seen that coming. I'm concerned that it never will.
0: I don't know that it hasn't. I haven't really done a lot of digging for what online at, tools at the professional are out there. level. Yeah, yeah Like, yeah. I, I don't expect like, Cortex like from CortexRPG.com like, to have I, that up there. Yeah. I don't.
1: I feel like that may fade, sadly, but mm. I don't think the engine will ever disappear.
0: Uh so what pre written adventure modules uh for Cortex would you recommend running for the first time Cortex GM? I think I would say grab grab something that was developed
1: after Cortex the base engine.
0: There are three setting examples in the book with yes. example Yes um character sheets in the back yeah, of the book. So. Honestly, if you're looking for something and you've just picked up the Cortex Prime book um, I would give one of those three a look, yeah, because they are built directly off of the engine that is provided in the book mm-hmm. as an example of how to run it itself. So Just run one shot, yeah, yeah, look, look directly in the book.
1: It offers you three examples. Also, right don't make any changes. Grab exactly what they have, don't make any
0: changes. Don't literally don't change anything. Watch how it plays, pay special attention to that, and then make your own decisions moving forward exactly. then. Then
1: and only then, ha- watch the videos,
2: mm-hmm.
1: have your players watch the videos, and develop what you actually want to do. Hell, I would watch the videos first. Well, no, like, watch the videos. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Then have your players watch the videos <laughs> because at your session <laughs> yeah. zero,
0: you could do a lot more then. Yeah. If you're, again, yeah. if you're a full game in, <laughs> you know. And uh, what would be the minimum books necessary uh, needed to run a game of Cortex? The, the Cortex the, Prime. The Cortex Prime book. Yeah. Period. It's got so much in there and it's a beautiful. Yeah. Pretty well laid out book. Yeah. Um, I would say just that and a lot of paper. A lot of paper. A lot of paper. A lot of little paper. Just to scribble assets down on, to scribble complications down on. I would say, because you're going to have to help them make character sheets and things like
1: that. And you're going to make mistakes in the process. You're going to write like, hey, these are the skills that I want. And be like, no, I don't think I need all those. Yeah, but I mean just to to run it though. To To run run it, it. You could run it on a couple sheets of paper and some three by five cards. Yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. and and a giant bag of dice that removes d20s. So that's that's what I would say. You don't need d20s. Let's just put that one right out there. Uh, Nevim asks, what games are using Cortex system?
0: Let's hear, uh, You talked about a lot of different Leverage, uh, television. I would say uh, Leverage, Serenity, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. So
1: most recently, the Leverage game and Firefly games. Yeah. Are are base system ones. They they speak to the fact that they're using Cortex, just like um, City of Mist. Uh, and Urban Shadows are speaking that they're using Powered by the Apocalypse. Right, right. Like, in that sense. So, you'll get a feel for them in the fact that they are Cortex, but understand they are already modually selected. Mm-hmm. And you won't know, necessarily, it's not going to explicitly tell you that.
0: Yes, yeah. It's not so, going to be like, we're using this module, this module. It's just going to give you the rules. I kind of wish they did. Yeah, maybe, I think it yeah. would really help. Probably. So. Probably.
1: Um... What elements of the system should we tackle first, thus avoiding
0: being lost with all the possibilities? Uh, okay, so the the book itself starts off with the core rules. And this is literally on, like, page six. Um, and it, it acts as, essentially, the, yeah. the like a one-page. Yeah. All it hands you is the concept of um, distinctions. And, like, you can literally play with just distinctions. And then some really watered-down dice mechanics... That show you essentially how Cortex is supposed to be played. Everything else from that layers onto that. So if you're looking to tackle it one little baby step at a time, start with those. Start with the one sheet that's in, that's in the, the very beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would say try to emulate an existing IP if you're really planning on throwing something together. So try to make Dungeons and Dragons out of it, you know? Use attributes and skills, and use those particular attributes and skills as your prime sets mm-hmm. because they're familiar. Yep. you'll know what you're doing with them, and you'll know what application they'll have in your game.
1: Yeah okay? don't don't go as deep as classes and specific yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't 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 don't, do that. don't
0: need that. Don't need that. And try yeah. to use as few mods as possible. Just play the game as rule is written bare bones mm-hmm. as possible, but use something familiar. So you have a baseline to measure it against use D and D essentially as your control group in an experiment and then go from there, see how it plays out, see how it feels. And then when you're sitting there going, God, I wish this had this sort of mechanic, then add it in, mm-hmm. you know, 100%. wouldn't it be cool if we did this instead, then add it in.
2: Yeah.
1: I would say your next step would then be if you, if you feel like you could be comfortable in doing that. And again, I I would still just run a one shot. Mm-hmm. Um grab an IP like a, a a familiar IP. Star Trek, uh Star Wars. Something like that and just start playing in your head with what modules are necessary to tell the story you want to tell. Yeah. Don't and don't what... try and mimic everything. That's the worst thing you can do is mimic
0: all of the details. Don't do that. Yeah. What what traits are are valued in that setting, mm-hmm. you know? Does a character's strength in Star Trek matter as much as say like their ingenuity, or their compassion. Yeah. Maybe those are the traits you want to use instead of strength and intelligence and charisma and all that. Maybe that doesn't matter as much. Yeah, maybe the distinction
1: of commanding stance. Mm Mm-hmm. Or... Ability to put your leg over
0: the top of a chair. Oh, jeez. I literally was just Or enter a room shoulder first. Yes.
1: Or, um, actually. (laughs) Or grunt the word, quark. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um... Those types of things, I think, really lean into it. Um, and I will say to the next question, which is how does this uh, relate to other generic systems? It isn't a generic system. It is. It is, it is a generic engine, engine. that allows you to build a generic Can system. Can you build Gerps with this? 100%. <sighs> You could. I don't like that phrasing. I know. Could you build Savage Worlds without a <laughs> effing doubt? I know. And we just skip could, right. But we're not even going to address it. <laughs> could could I could I build Seven C with this without a doubt? Yeah, yeah. And any any system that we play on the narrative scale, any system on the narrative scale, you can you could build in Cortex
0: comfortably. Um, okay. I mean, my my answer is a bit different. Um, uh, how does it relate to other generic systems? I I I, I kind of. D- I don't think, in the scope of this question, the distinction between an engine and a system is important enough to make. Um, one way or another, no matter how you build your Cortex system out of this engine, it's still going to come down, comparatively, more narrative than either GURPS or Savage Worlds. Okay? 100%. You're drawing a gradient between yep. GURPS, which is crunchy, very, and very crunchy. number-based, okay, to Savage Worlds, which is still a bit crunchy... But takes a giant narrative, heroic, pulpy step in that direction, and Cortex is the next narrative, pulpy, heroic step in that direction. It's in the narrative direction. Yes, exactly. So moving from crunch to narrative, it goes GURPS, Savage Worlds, anything you're going to make with Cortex. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the answer to the question. Yep.
1: And, yep. and Cortex goes all the way from, I have this thing that
0: I believe is crunch all the way to no crunch, almost <laughs> no crunch. Heatsink in the, uh, the, the, uh, live chat says Cortex and GURPS combined is the ultimate engine. No, no, uh, oh, God, don't stop. I feel, stop, I feel... you're fired and I'm breaking up with you. Why and... are
1: you putting yeah. tomato juice in beer?
0: Yeah. Why are you doing this? It is not ultimate. Clean out clean out your desk. Yeah. Clamatos are terrible.
1: Um, the system chosen for a game implies the style of the game. As underlined in the sentence, system matters. In, in that aspect, what type of gameplay the Cortex system brings forward? What co- type of gameplay
0: does it bring forward? I will flat out say cinematic narrative storytelling. Yeah, cinematic narrative storytelling. Um, it's going to feel a lot like Fate. If you've ever played that, um, even with the dice mechanics, it's I think it's still going to feel a lot like Fate. Um, in that there's a lot of description, there's a lot of narrative, there's a lot of using the environment in interesting ways where, um, you know, the 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 strength or capability of your character isn't necessarily going to matter nearly as much as what is cool in the story. Correct. And 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 how those things are going to turn out in the play between heroes and villains and you know plot progression and whatnot
2: yeah
0: i think that's i think that's a really
1: good way of putting it so i'm going to say at the end of this as the final wrap Mm -hmm. if you're interested if we have piqued your interest in this go watch the video
0: yes uh, his.
1: Name, I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me here right now. Can uh, you scroll let back me up?
0: Scroll way the heck up in our little document here, and that is going to be the Dungeon Noobs Guide on on YouTube, and that's N E W B. Go go watch that to
1: understand what we went over in a visual way. Uh, it will help a could,
0: lot. I think you can literally just search for how to play Cortex Prime. Yeah, it does come up, and it's like the first thing that comes up, or right? yep. if not the first, it's going to be the second. Yep. Just just literally go to that
1: and start. Mm-hmm. Don't buy anything from Through RPG. Don't go pick up the book immediately. Start here. Well, like I said you can't find it on DriveThru. Well, I mean uh, the Through RPG add-ons or oh, the, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or the flavor yeah. stuff. Just yeah. just ignore that. Take a moment, watch that. Take the 45 minutes. Watch it. Mm-hmm. Maybe watch it a second time if you need to. But understand what you're getting into before you go and pick it up. It's not that expensive digitally. Yeah. But it's it's worth it to take the time. If you're interested, especially if you're invested in building, if you're homebrewing right now, a system to fit what you want to do. Mm-hmm. If the word is narrative, if you could, I'm going to say this, if you could remove initiative from your game yeah, and still have an enjoyable game. If the, the word, if I say, hey, take initiative out of your homebrew and you go, okay. You're good to go. Cool. Go for it. Yep. Go for it. That's the 50% point right there. But
0: but if you want initiative, there's a couple mods for it.
1: (laughs) And you're dirtying up Cortex. By doing that, you're dirtying up Cortex. You're
0: modifying Cortex. Now, okay, maybe you're adding ingredients that don't belong in that particular soup. First off,
1: making ice cream out of fish is an affront to both fish and ice cream. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> tell Iron Chef Miyamoto that. I'm going to say it to his face. To his face. He apologized to the ice cream and to the fish. And when your secret ingredient is mackerel, you make ice cream, <laughs> darn it. I'm not saying <laughs> you don't in that adventure situation, but this is not a challenge. All right, all right, all right. All right, so we, next week we are back to normal shows, but we have a mini-series that... Uh, Sarah had asked for we had started coming up with show ideas and somehow we kept coming back to combat oh that's right I did this didn't I and you were like sorry everybody do we have three shows in a row and I went you know what we actually have that coming up right now so we have a mini series literally starting with this next show that is about combat and we open with how do you have combat without combat?
0: Without combat. You know, we're not gonna we're we just talked about how dirtying things up with things like initiative and hit yeah, points and stuff we're, like we're that. We're literally going from
1: cortex where you shouldn't be
0: dealing with that shit immediately yeah, into So how do you have fights without fight mechanics and stuff like that? So yeah we'll 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 get into that. We'll get into the, the nitty-gritty of that uh next time. But in the meantime, you all know that you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. We'll listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And join us up on our Discord. Throw us some questions. We'd love to hear from you there. Bounce some uh, campaign ideas off the other great storytellers that are up there and join the discussion. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website StorytellerConclave.com.
1: Yeah, I 100% recommend you come up. We've had some very lively story discussions Mm -hmm. and I love it. Uh, we'd like to thank our Patreon members who help us out every single month, especially our name members. Knox in the Box, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hula Subjet, Sean, and there was somebody else and it's not on this list and I feel bad. Um, you help us out every single month and we truly appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at patreon.com slash arcaneanthems. Or on Instagram at Arcane Anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find them at com or in Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Miner Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org.
0: And a big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicki and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting Thank us, you. even if uh, Sean is a fan of GURPS. All of our <laughs> friends have sat at our tables over the years to give us these great stories to share with you and you, every uh, single one of our listeners. We love you guys love so you. much. Good, good night.
2: night.